Yo, what? You live the 99s, found the one. Yo, that's so cool. Hey, y'all, this is Voldemain, and you're listening to Finding Glory Podcast. And today, we have got a crew out here, and we'll be talking about Matthew 18 12, where he talks about living the 99s, found the one. And y'all just get yourself ready, get yourself tight. If you're working out, get yourself ready. Let's listen to this. 15 verses 1 through 7, if you guys want to follow along in your Bibles. Alright, so this is the parable of the lost sheep. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, If he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found the sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be... More joy in heaven over one sinner who repents over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Um, Now we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18 verses 10 through 14, um, the parable of the lost sheep. It says, verse 10, Take heed that you do not despise one of the little ones. For I say to you in heaven, their angels always see the face of the Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over the sheep than the ninety-nine that did not go astray. So even it is not the will of the Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I mean, it's it's kind of a beautiful thing, you know, um, the love that uh, Christ has for us. Um, you know, just to go out, no matter where we are and where we're at and um, how we are personally, he will just come out and bring us back, uh, no matter how we are, and no matter where we are. He'll just bring us back, put us over his shoulders, as he says, and carry us back to the flock where everyone else is. Yeah, you know, that's, right. that's just the beautiful love that Christ has for us, you know? It's pretty incredible how, like, um, both the parables, it talks about how um, Jesus goes out to find the sheep and how he goes and meets the sheep where he's at. The sheep is, it's called the lost parable for a reason. The sheep is lost. It has no way to get back to its home and to its shepherd. But God goes out and finds him and saves him. Like Josh was saying, he picks him up and he carries him back because he's unable, the sheep is unable to walk on its own anymore. And so it needs its Savior to come pick him up. And while he picks him up, he's rejoicing through the whole thing. Because he's so excited that one of his sinners who has fallen away from him has chosen to walk back to his relationship with God. I thought that was super impactful. Yeah, the idea of rejoicing with you know someone coming back to you know being with God that is a really powerful thing. It really does show that he does care about us a lot, like every single one of us, and he wants the best for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's the best interest for us, you know. Right. Um, and you think about it, think about the, um, 
you know, so a lot of people I would say would think like, you know, why why sheep in this parable? Like, why would they? Why would you want to bring sheep? Well, think about it though. Like, you're in the wilderness, or think about a sheep in the wilderness. Like, what's out there? There's bears. There's you know, coyotes. There's wolves. Like, all these things can attack it. And it doesn't know where to go. It's it's helpless. You know, um, it doesn't know, you know, what where to go or how to get back to the flock. And then, um, in olden times, back in you know. Um, the Roman era, you would have in Israel, you would have these shepherds that would be armed with staff and rod and then a slingshot as well to ward off anything trying to go after the sheep and they would go out to the wilderness um, it wouldn't stop trying to find that sheep, it would always be going um, the shepherd would always be going out and pursuing the sheep like it was you know, one of his own children, going out and trying to find it. Yeah, in John ten eleven, it talks about how like Jesus is the good shepherd. Like, he came not only to save us, but to protect us from sins. And it's our job to allow him to protect us. It's our job to run towards him. And he will come and he will save us. But overall, he's the good shepherd. He's going to protect us from all of those terrible things that Josh was just talking about. All of the wolves and the lions and the devil. We just need to allow him to do that and... Just as we talked about last week, it's about fighting our battles with him. Because the second that we start to turn to other things or try and do it on our own, we're just these tiny little sheep. We're just going to get eaten alive by the, by the giant bears and the wolves and the lions out there. Right. Like, we can't do it on our own. And we shouldn't expect ourselves to, you know, be able to do it on our own. And that's the thing that a lot of people do. We, we always expect ourselves to just like solve our problems on our own and just it doesn't work out well it just never yeah. works and you try to fight through it ourselves be like you know what i got this you know i'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna get through it like i'm gonna push through it excel through it but in all reality really really can't like and think about you know what our modern day wolf coyote or bear lion would anything you know, that would be think about what that would be in your life like i try to picture it in my life you know it could be you know, going through getting through classes or even a job interview or, um, you know, even the life of what, what I'm going to do after I'm out of college or, you know, or, um, and it's even a tough season, you know, what is that challenge that you're going to try and get through? But, and it's hard to do without God. It's very hard to do without God. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And like in Matthew 18 verse 11, it talks about how the, for the son of man has come to save that which was lost. He didn't come to save the perfect version of yourself, the sinless version of yourself. And I think oftentimes as Christians, we we tend to like stray away from God when we're not at our best version because we're like, God, I'm struggling with this sin or I'm struggling with this temptation. Like I need to fix this on my own and then I need to come back because you're so righteous and you're so merciful um, that I need to be perfect for you. You're so holy. But in Matthew, it legitimately says that he came to save those which were lost. That's why it's called the parable of the lost sheep, because we are lost. And we need God to come and to save us while we're lost, because as a sheep being lost, there's no way that we're going to be able to return to the flock, return home without, um, without Jesus, without turning to him. Yeah, and I found it interesting, um, like at the beginning of Luke 15, uh, this whole parable started because the Pharisees were, like, saying, why is Jesus, like, hanging around with all of these unrighteous people? Like, you shouldn't be doing this. 
And basically what he's saying is that, like, I'm with these people because these are the ones that need me most. The, the people who already, like, know who I am, you know, or have faith in God, you know, they don't need to hear what I need to say as much as these people. So I'm gonna reach out to these people more. Um, and I feel like that's kind of something that a lot of Christians at some point or another kind of fall into being like, oh, I only need to hang out with Christians. Like, I can't hang out with people who aren't Christians, but it's really important to have those relationships because how else are you going to show people the love of Jesus if you don't have those relationships? Yes, I mean, it also shows, like, impact, too. Like, what mm -hmm. kind of an impact are you going to have on their life? Like, right. you don't know, like, what they're going through. Like, maybe you do their close friend, maybe you do kind of do, but, um, you know, if you're not as close to them, like, imagine what, even if you just see them for, like, maybe 10 minutes out of your day, what can you do for that 10 minutes that can change their day and make their day 100% better? And show them that, hey, like, I have the love of God in me, and I want to spread it to other people, including you, because you are important to me, and you matter to me, no matter who you are. Like, you still matter to me. Right. Yeah, and, like, in Matthew 28, um, 19 through 20, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded of you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Like, Jesus legitimately tells his disciples, his followers, he says, you guys need to go and you need to make disciples out of the non-believer. Um, just like Josh was saying, like, you never know what's going to impact someone. You never know what's going to stick with them, what you say. And it's our job as Christians to honestly be going out and to spreading, spreading the gospel because... If we're not teaching others about Jesus, then who's going to? If they're only surround, if you're their only Christian friend, then who else is going to tell them about Jesus? Like, that's we're called to do this, and that's one of the biggest callings. And Natalie was talking about that how it's important that we not only have yes, it's very important to be surrounded by Christians and to be able to support you in your walk of faith, but it's also even more so important to be surrounded by people who aren't Christians so you can encourage them and so you can portray the love that God has poured into your life. Yeah, you need to have that balance. Like, you can't just be with this group of people. You can't just be with this group of people. There needs to be that balance there, and that's a really important thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, going back into Luke 15, actually, the... It kind of talks about in the verses 5 and 6. And when he hath found it, he layeth on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which I was lost. And you think about that. Why, you know, he this, you know, in this parable, he had a hundred sheep, and he loses the one. But then when he goes and finds the one, he finds it and is like, yes, like, I finally have found my lost sheep. Well, think about it. Why? Why does he, you know, rejoice about this one lost sheep where he has you know 99 others well think about it each sheep to him is different he knows each one of them have their own characteristics and their own traits and qualities that make them special and think about that um, it goes actually to psalms uh, 139 13 and 14 um that just talks about how each and every one of us i'm paraphrasing before i stop each one of us is beautifully and wonderfully made um and that goes for that's everyone and all of us are have our unique traits qualities that make us who we are and make us different from everyone else in the world you know out of the billions of people you know we're all individuals we're all unique yeah 
Yeah, God, um, it, it talks about how, like, we're God's masterpieces. Like, every single one of us is a masterpiece of God, and He loves us so much that, like, God didn't have to send His Son down to earth to die for us. He did not have to send us a Savior, but He loves us so much, and He wants to have a relationship with so much with us so much that He was like, no, I'm going to send them down. I'm going to send them down a Savior who's going to die for them and who's going to take all of their sins and cover it. Not just part of them, but all of it. So then I can have all of my followers, so God can have all of his followers live with him in heaven and have eternal life. Yeah, that is so powerful that, like, he really wants all of us to be with him. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, going back to what Rachel said, though, about, um, like, it's all of you that's covered. Think about it like it's a cold night and you're really, you're so really cold, um, and you just want total coverage, so you grab the biggest, most warmest blanket, you throw that over yourself. It's all of it. Think about God's love is that. Um, no matter how what sin you've had or anything like that in your life, you are still covered by God's grace and mercy. You're still covered by that, no matter what it is. Um, and that's how I always like to think about it. It's always thinking about it as, uh, you're, like I said, you're cold. It's cold at night, so you grab a big blanket, you cover yourself completely. You can try and warm up. Think of it that way. But you know what's cool about that is you said that you grab the blanket. Someone else isn't putting the blanket on it on you. It's your choice to allow God to cover you. Mm. Allow him to you have to accept Jesus into your life and accept him as your Lord and your Savior in order to, to receive that warmth and to receive that protection over your life. Which I think is super interesting. And like Natalie was also talking about um, how like God loves us each loves us every loves each of us so much and in Matthew it says um, that it's not God's plan that he doesn't want any of the little ones to perish like that's not his end game he didn't like send his son down to earth so we would die and go to hell like he sent his son down so we could live with him forever but it's our choice it's our choice to allow him to cover our sins and to allow us to run to him So do you think we should move on to questions now? Yeah. That's good. All right. We kind of already went over the first question a little bit, but why sheep? Yeah, I mean, like like it was said before, um, sheep are like, oh, back in, um, you know, when Christ was, uh, was living, uh, sheep herding was one of the biggest occupations because they needed it for... Um, for the for Passover, because uh, they all had a lot of sacrifices that were made, and they'd have to have not just any sheep, but they had to be the most perfect, most beautiful, uh, purebred sheep. It couldn't just be any you know random sheep out in the farm, like you know go out and like oh this will do. No, it has to be a perfect sacrifice. It can't just be this random sheep. It has to be perfect. Um, but that's that's what one of the biggest uh, um, occupations was in the old in old Israel was sheep herding. And you know it's really interesting. I so the whole Passover thing and talking about sheep and why sheep. Well, obviously in this parable we are the sheep. We are the sheep. And before Jesus died on the cross for our sins, um, the Passover came and they would have to kill the sheep and that blood covered their sins, right? 
um, which is almost like without, without our Savior, we were covering our own sins with our own blood, which meant that we had to be perfect, and we had to find that perfect, spotless, sinless sheep in order to sacrifice it. But then God took that spot, Jesus took that spot, and became the Passover lamb and died for our sins because he was perfect. And we could never live up to that. And that brings us back to the whole question of why sheep? Well, because we were the sheep. Mm. And now Jesus is the Passover lamb. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, also, uh, I kind of think it as uh, as relationship, uh, relation to what the actual um, Israeli people were going through, the, or the Gentiles were going through, because uh, Jesus taught to everyone. So it didn't matter if you were, even taught to Pharisees. You I mean, you know, if you're a Pharisee, you know, a lawyer, tax collector, sheep herder, cattle, like anything. Uh, but because that was one of the most biggest occupations of the time, he would always, he would try and relate to what they were going through and would give them parables and, and such about their daily lives and what they were going through. So to them, to us, it, it kind of makes sense now, but... You know, to someone back then, that they um, it, it made sense to them because I said, "Yeah, like I am going through that. Like if I lost a sheep, I would go out to myself and I would go out and find it. Like I would be running to that sheep because I don't want to lose them because they care a lot about their sheep because that was their that was their um, that was their occupation. That's what they did for a living. That's how they you know survived and fed their families." Yeah, I think that uh, like looking at like the cultural context of like whether it's the parables or just like kind of really anything in the Bible is so interesting because you see it in a different way when you're like coming at it from the perspective of just like yourself versus all right I'm gonna try and like step into the shoes of these people and yeah it, it's some really interesting stuff to you know try and view it from that perspective yeah. and it like it ends up meaning a lot more yeah, to them it meant more. Like, to us, we get it and we understand it. But mm -hmm. to them, this is how they understood it because this is what they did. Right. Know, it was... It's such a personal thing to them. And for us, we're just like, yeah, okay, this is just, like, happening. Yeah. But, yeah, being able to really understand it from that kind of perspective is really cool yeah. and it's really important. Yeah, and John legitimately talks about how, like, when he's talking about being the good shepherd, he's like, if you were the shepherd and one of your sheep was lost, wouldn't you go and find him? Like, aren't you going to protect your sheep over everything? Aren't you going to be the one fighting the battles? Aren't you going to be the one who's fighting the wolves or, or the lions or whatever's coming at your sheep? Like, he talks about how, like, that's God's place to step in and to protect his people, which is what he did when he sent his son down to earth to die for our sins. Um... Moving on to the next question. Um, the next question we were talking about was, um, how can I find my way home? How can you find your way back to Jesus? Man, I mean, think about it. Um, there's a lot of, I feel like there's definitely, you could just go into prayer about it. Like, you know, that's one of the biggest tools besides the Bible that a Christian has in their life is prayer. Um, you know, I just pray about it, like, God, I don't know where I'm at. God, I just pray that you could come to me and rescue me from where I'm at right now and bring me back to where I'm supposed to be. And it's that beautiful prayer that we can pray whenever we feel like that. We're, you know, starting to fade away or fall away from where we're supposed to be at. Um, just go to God and pray about it. Um, and just pray for, to, for, pray for the Holy Spirit to bring you back to where you're supposed to be. And I feel like understanding that 
God will meet us where we're at is really important to that too. Um, like earlier we were talking about uh, how like you'll always like try and be like, oh, I, I can't like go back to God right now because I need to figure out all of these things in my own life. And no, like that's what he's here for. He's going to help you figure out those things in your life. So it, it doesn't matter how far gone you are you can always come back yeah exactly it, it doesn't matter how far gone yeah, you are no never too far gone and i've had so many conversation with conversations with people who either were christians or who drifted away and they're like like god's never gonna take me back like you don't know the things that i did in my past but the thing is he is like no matter how far, like, God's love is going to cover all of our sins. Um, his reckless love. He loves us so much that that it doesn't matter. Like, he, he's going to cover. You just need to turn to him. And how do you get home? The first step is legitimately, like Josh said, prayer. You need to turn to him. And you just need to talk to him. It's, I know it can be hard, like, admitting your sins but you gotta do it, you gotta repent. And to repent doesn't mean just to say your sins out loud. It means to physically turn from your sins and to turn away from them, to run away from them is what repent, repent like the definition of repent means. So you need to legitimately express them and then run away from them. Turn and run towards God instead of running towards the world. Yeah, yeah. and if you're like, truly living your life for God, then that's going to kind of come with that, you know. You're not going to want to, like, obviously, there's going to be temptation, there's going to be all that, but, like, uh, one thing that I don't remember uh, who I was talking about this with, I don't know if it was with any of you guys, but uh, we were talking about how, like, some people would be like, oh, well, if God's going to cover all of my sins, then I can just continue sinning. But you can't do that, and if you're truly, like, living your life for him, you're not going to want to do that, because, no. Yeah, the more that you sin, it creates a larger barrier between you right. and God. Um, yeah, no, it, you, like, obviously we can't help sinning because we're human, it's, it, it's going to happen. But the important part is realizing the sin, mm -hmm. expressing, telling God, and repenting and turning away from it. Like, if you know that something's going to make you sin, then not going back to that place. Like, turning to God instead and finding new ways to Him. Yeah, like, think about it from this point of view. Like, it's, it's kind of like a fire. It's kind of like a hot fire. Like, you're not going to just, you know, keep... After you've done it once, like, oh, this hurts. And think about that's how sin is in our life. Like, it, it, it hurts. Like, it... You know, it, it, we think about after, like, man, why did I do this? Why did I go into that? But, you know, going back to the example of the uh, fire, like, you're not going to just go keep putting your hand back in it after you've done it multiple times. Like, it hurts. Like, it's just going to keep hurting. So why would you want to keep going back to it? And um, think about sin that way. Like, when you, when you sin and you know you feel God about it, you go into prayer, you repent about it, then just run away, turn away from it. Don't, don't keep going back to it. Just, Go look to the future and look to what you have in front of you instead of looking back what's behind you. I think it's really cool, too, how God can teach you um, that sin hurts. Like, he teaches you, like, when you put your hand in that fire and it's hot and you get burnt and then you take it out. And um, God gives you comfort 
and love, and he still expresses that gratitude and love and mercy towards you, even after you continuously keep trying to put your hand in the fire and be like, oh, it's not going to be hot this time. Like, no, sin is going to continuously hurting you. Um, and the thing is, sometimes in the beginning, maybe sin will be good, maybe, maybe not good, but feel good. But in the end, it's always going to burn. It's always going to leave scars. But God is going to be so merciful that he's still going to love you. And he's still going to take you in. He's still going to carry you back to the flock. He's still going to bring you home. So how would you guys recommend like helping a friend or a struggling Christian or even a non-Christian coming back to God or learning who God is? Man, I would just say, one, uh, pray for them. Every, every opportunity you get, like when you're praying in your own life, bring them up in the conversation. Always remember that, hey, like, I want to help this person. Number one thing that you can do. Don't just like, obviously, don't just say that you're going to pray for them and not. I know that happens a lot of times and people yeah. forget. Um, but no, like, go up to them. Even even if they're not, they may not be um, may not be comfortable with it, but even just put a hand on them. Like, when, they, when you're in private time between you, just you two, put a hand on them and say, hey, I want to pray for you. And then just go right then and there and pray for them, like. You know, just, and then also give them comfort in knowing that, hey, like, you're going to be okay. Like, I'm going to, I'm here for you. I'm going to help you through through it. I'm going to pray for you. If you ever need scripture that you want to, like, go through and read, let me know. I'll find it for you. I will give it to you. Um, and I'll help you analyze it, too. And just to try and get them back. Like, um, just, number one, definitely the number one thing, though, is to just pray for them. Yeah. I definitely think that, like, being there for them is like super important like showing them that love like basically showing them the love of jesus through yourself um and yeah like that's that's a really important thing too they they need to feel like okay i'm comfortable with this person like i like i can i can see something in this person like what what do they have that I want to have? And that's Jesus. Like, that's what we have that they want to have. And so, yeah, like, just being that, like, loving person to them, be, always being there for them, that's really important. I, I 100% agree with both of those things. Like, um, there, there was this quote I read once, and it was like, if you're not praying for that person, then who is? Like, mm-hmm. think about that. Like, if you're the only Christian in their life, Who's going to be praying for them? Um, Which is huge. Like, constantly, like, praying for your friends. Praying for the conversations that you have. Even just praying before you have a conversation with someone. Say say you feel called to, like, go and talk to someone in the line at the grocery store. Or, I don't know, wherever you are. Um, You're like, do you know Jesus? Like, just quickly praying, like, God, please be with me. Fill fill me with your Holy Spirit. Allow me to just touch this person um, and reach them through the words that you want to tell them. Um, And then going back to what Natalie said, um, just living that life as a Christian, living and loving like Jesus did. Um, I think for a lot of us, Christianity, sometimes we can tend to hide it. And we're like, no, I don't want to force my religion on these people. I don't want to force my religion on my friends who aren't Christians because I don't want them to either stop hanging out with me or to make fun of me or to persecute me like whatever it is but there's a line and I've I have definitely found this to be true over the past year there's a line between pushing a religion on someone 
and expressing your faith and your love towards God? Like, are you hiding your relationship with God and allowing them to just be able to witness that? And like Natalie said, like, allowing them to just be able to see and be like, they have a different type of love and a different type of light about them. Like, what is that? What am I missing out? And you never know, like, const- like constantly praying for them and constantly, like, even just in small things, being like, oh, like, you want to come to church with me today? Or we're having Bible study tonight and we play categories. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> competitive categories. <laughs> competitive. Competitive categories. Um. But, like, stuff like that. Um, like, come to our game nights, like, with all of our Christian friends, like, little things like that. Um, and you never know where that's going to end up. I don't know, maybe they'll start coming to church with you. Maybe that person will accept Christ. Like, yeah. it's incredible to see what God will do. And the other thing, too, I wanted to mention is Voldemort, who sadly is not here for this conversation right now, but a few months ago, um, I was struggling with something, and he said to me, he said, Rachel, he said, you're never going to change hearts. Only God can do that. And that hit me so hard, the fact that, like, I am never going to be able to force someone to accept Christ. Only God can do that in His timing. Right. Yeah, and you can kind of, like, take that pressure off yourself and breathe a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, God will do His thing. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I still need, to, still need to put in the work, but in the end, it's not on you. Yeah, you just got to do everything that you can. Like, it, yeah. like whatever, whenever you feel... Or the, um, the moment's right. You just go out and be like, hey, like, I have this, this, and this. And you just go for it and then just let the Holy Spirit work. Mm-hmm. Like, you give what God's laid on your heart to say mm-hmm. and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Like, exactly. And then, uh, yeah. 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 A lot of people are like, oh, what if I stumble over my words? Or I'm not qualified to talk about Jesus. I don't know. I, I don't know my entire Bible story for story. Like, like, what about, no, the Holy Spirit is going to be filled, you're going to be filled by the Holy Spirit, and God's going to talk through you. If he really wants you to, to change the life of some person, then he's going to do that. He's going to use you, but the thing is, is that God has set up the plan, and he, he equips you with the tools and the strength in order to do so. You just have to be willing to take those first steps to make that initiative. And um, the other day, you, uh, Natalie, Voldemort, Will, and I were talking about the fact that, like, a lot of times as Christians are like, okay, I will go and talk to that person if God calls me specifically and audibly tells me, you need to go talk to that person over there standing in that line. Like that random stranger you don't know, go tell them about Jesus. And we wait for those moments. But the thing is, is that we have the ability to go and talk to anyone at any point in our day and be like, at any, at any point, be like, so what What are your beliefs on what's going to happen after you die? What do you think is going to happen after you die? Or do you know who Jesus is? Or did you grow up going to church? Or any of those questions, like, it doesn't need to be, like, awkward or it doesn't need to be forced. Um, but we have the ability to do that. We just need to take those steps because God is going to equip us with the strength in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and it definitely is so hard, like, leading up to it to go and have those conversations like, I know um, earlier, like, this summer, I, I really felt God calling me to, like, speak to one of my friends about him, and I was like, I know she's not going to want to hear this, like, I know that she is a passionate atheist, she's mm-hmm. not going to want to listen to me, 
but I did it anyway, and God gave me that strength to do it anyway, and the conversation went a lot better than I could have ever expected it to. And so it's important to have those conversations. And it doesn't even have to be about that. You can literally just tell them how how your day's going, even. You know, just go in with that, like, like oh, they're like, oh, how's your day? They're like, you know what, man? My day is great. I'm having a great day, and I have been blessed beyond measure. I'm not going to lie. It's been good. And just, they're going to see that difference and be like, this person's different. Like, they're always, like, they're always happy. They're always in a great mood. Like, they're always, you know, ready to just take on whatever the day brings them. They'll notice something, like, after, you know, even a couple of weeks even, they'll notice, like, there's something different about this person, but I like it. Like, they always are upbeat and happy about everything, you know what I mean? But Yeah, yeah, like, like even if you're not, like, explicitly, like, talking about God, like, people should be able to like see that in you just with how how you speak how like how you just go about your life like people should be able to like see that in you say yeah yeah Yeah, to see that there's something different yeah even if it's just a little thing like there's like something different about this person but i I really like i said like they'll be like i like it though Mm -hmm. like this just seemed like just such a great outgoing person like it's, it's great yeah just fearfully uh, fearlessly living out your purpose that God has called you to do and just like one of my goals for this year is like I want people when they first know me I want them one of the first things they know about me is that I'm a Christian which is like one of those steps that like you got to take and it's it can be hard it can be so hard believe me I've had many conversations with friends who who aren't Christians at all um and honestly some of them have gone really well and I've even had friends who've who've started coming to, like, different Bible studies or who started asking me questions about the Bible or asking me questions about my faith and started to get interested. And I've had hour-long conversations with people that I never thought that would happen with. and Because it's really just God's grace and His mercy. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. And uh, another thing is, like, you really need to come at these conversations from a place of love. Like, you can't just yeah. go into something and, like, debate someone. That's not going to go anywhere. Exactly. Like, if you're just going at someone and, like, telling them, like, how awful of a person they are, like, you really think they're going to listen to you? But, like, you see, like, too many people doing that, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work. Yeah. yeah, whenever you go into that conversation, you got to go in with grace and compassion. Yeah. Don't go in with a judgmental type, because it's in a lot of people, um... A lot of people characterize Christians as like all these mm-hmm. just judgmental people, but it's it's actually the opposite, you know. For for a lot of people, it's the opposite. Exactly. There are some judgmental people, but it's the opposite of that. It's just the going in with compassion and mercy and grace of this person because you don't know what they're going through. You you don't know what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, so just going through with that uh, and compassion mindset and just just trying to be there as a friend almost. One of, one of my favorite quotes, which actually I heard from another one of my podcasts that I listened to. Um, one of the guest speakers on it said that it's not our job to judge or condemn but only to love others which is huge and something that I forget like especially when like you're struggling with forgiveness or you're struggling with like something that's going on it's not our job to condemn them of their sins or to judge them for what they did our job is only to walk into their lives loving them full-heartedly like Jesus did with that compassion and with that grace and with that mercy which is huge. Um, moving on to our final question. Um, why does Jesus come running after us? Why does God come running after us? 
because he loves all of us, you know? Mm-hmm. We're all in that, like, um, we're all in that, like, even playing field that we're all just individuals. But God, no matter who we are, what we've done in our past, or anything for that matter, God's going to come running after us because he still loves us with everything that he has. And he still cares about us a lot. And he will come after us, come to where we will, more importantly, will come to where we are, meet us there, and then bring us back to where um, he wants us to be. But yeah. Yeah, he crafted each and every one of us individually. Of course, he's going to care about us, like, so much. Like, we are his creation. So, and he he wants us to be with him, as we talked about before. Like, that, that is the goal. Like, mm-hmm. he has our best interest in mind. Yeah, he loves us so much. Like, that's why he comes running after us. Like, that's why he comes and finds a lot of sheep, because... He wants to make heaven crowded. He, the end goal had said in Matthew that like the Lord doesn't wish for the little ones to perish. He doesn't wish for his sheep and for for um, us to perish. He wishes for us to live um, and have everlasting life with him in um, heaven, which is pretty incredible. And like even just thinking about like the death of um, Jesus on the cross, think about all the pain that he went through but he had the ability to snap his fingers at any moment while he was on the cross and have it be over but if he had done that then he wouldn't have been able to cover for our sins because he was the perfect sacrifice Mm -hmm. but he loved us so much that he said no I'm gonna sit here with the pain and I'm gonna die for you arms open wide for you to come running to me which yeah. is so without stretched arms, just come. We run to him, and in his arms, we just exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, and that just reminded me of um, earlier before we started recording. We were uh, talking about this one verse in Romans that really shows like how much God loves us. So um, Romans five seven through eight says, "For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die." But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like, that is powerful stuff. Like, it's hard to die for someone who has done everything for you. It's even harder to die for someone who has done nothing for you. Like, so the fact that he made that sacrifice for us really shows his love. That verse gets me so excited every time mm. I every time we talk about it or I read it, um, verse eight that it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. Not not afterwards, like Natalie was saying. No, no. While we were still sinners, while we were still turned against Him, that's when Christ decided, no, I'm still going to love them despite everything, and because of everything, I'm going to love them and I'm going to save them. Yeah, yeah. and also like if you want to look at it from um, how he created us look at the creation around you look at the trees the birds the wildlife fish animals all of it god put that much effort plus more into building who you are and how you were created all of that effort from like you know how trees are and how they give us oxygen and how you know all these fish even though how small they are are still significant in the wildlife that they're in think about that but also that effort and that complexity that god put into that he also put into you um, it's just a beautiful thing when you think about that, that like, and that it makes sense of why he would go through all that effort to save us. It's because that the effort and the amount of effort he put in to create us and to 
beautifully one we make each and every single one of us is just amazing. Y'all heard that? Y'all heard, nah, nah, tell me y'all heard that. Like, sheesh, uh, some deep words being thrown out there. Y'all, thank you for listening. This is Fun and Glory Podcast. We'll be back again next week. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, and maybe even MySpace. We know, we don't know. But yes, thank y'all. Thank y'all. See y'all next week.